This episode of Philly's Therapy is brought to you by Loop. Ask any ball player, and they'll say there's no better feeling than coming up with a big hit when it matters most. Download the number one sports card app and get those big hits for yourself. Join Loop and get access to live sports card streams all day, every day. Our community hits cards that are worth up to thousands of dollars every night. Get a piece of the action for yourself. Download Loop for free today at loop.cards. That's L-O-U-P-E dot cards. Loop, sports cards 24-7. going on everybody welcome to another episode of Philly's therapy my name is Paul Boyer and I am joined once again by the conductor himself the athletic Philadelphia's Matt Gelb who is uh, ever so <laughs> kind, ever so kindly uh, joining me for one more episode before a, a, a little bit of a sabbatical as he's able to spend some time with his family and littlest one for the next couple of weeks um, which is really fantastic Matt thanks so much for uh, I guess being on schedule this morning what um what what happened this weekend with you and um public transportation what what's what's the scoop what's going on up there i mean the one thing i did was i made a mistake was i told one other beat writer what happened to me actually one other beat writer saw me because uh so you know friday you actually actually got uh, caught boarding the wrong i got caught i got caught (laughs) uh Friday morning, you know, uh, quite hectic, uh, trying to get my daughter off to daycare. Uh-huh. You know, I was like, I'm going to thread this needle perfectly. I'm going to book a train that is uh, 9.45, like it'd give me enough time to get my daughter to daycare and then uh, get a lift from uh, Delco over to uh, 30th Street Station. I was like, this is perfect, perfect. Well, she was kicking and screaming and really putting up a fight all morning. And then I, I finally got her out. I got home and the lift, you know, took about 15 minutes to get to my house, which was mm-hmm. way longer than I was expecting. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm up against it now. I'm really, really getting stressed. And, uh, uh, I get to 30th street, maybe, I don't know, like nine 39 about, or maybe about five minutes before the train is supposed to leave. And, and for those who take Amtrak, you know, that, you know, they typically post the, the track and the boarding, you know, uh, 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 at least five minutes before, uh, the train leaves and, and sure. often you're, you're on the train, uh, five minutes before it's supposed to leave really, uh, if, if they do it right. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, Holy, Holy crap. I, I, I really got hustle here. I don't, I do not want to miss this train. Yeah. And, uh, I just dash in to 30th street kind of, uh, you know, just, just really stressed and looking for the first train on the board. Cause I'm thinking, you know, that's the next <laughs> train, whatever the, whatever one is boarding has got to be my train. Oh, just look boy. at the board. And track five, and I, I perfect dash on. I actually even opened up the kit ticket on my phone, showed it to the lady who was standing at the top of the escalator, uh, like you're supposed to do. And she's like, yep, yep, go ahead. And I was like, all right. And uh, get on the train. I'm like, yeah, I made it. I, awesome. Ha- really happy about my with myself Flying yeah, that, I, that I pulled this off. And a minute, it, it, people were asking me, how long did you know, how long did it take you to realize? And it was no more than a minute because we start moving <laughs> and I'm, I, something felt off, and then the, yeah. the the conductor comes on. This is a Northeast Regional headed for Washington D.C. Oh, and I looked around and I was like, "Oh, oh no! Like, what have I done?" <laughs> um, but in the grand scheme of things, this was not that big of a mess up. No, I know it's no. very silly, but it really uh, wasn't. It could you know, been a lot worse. I I never sat down. I just I found um, one of the the conductors like in the in between cars, and I was like, "Hey, I think I did something really stupid." And she's like, yes, you did. And uh, she's like, just get off at Wilmington. She said, let me look at the schedule here. It's like, oh, there's another one that'll go north in Wilmington, like 45 minutes. You won't have to wait very long. I was like, that's great. She's like, just go to the ticket office. They'll change your ticket. Perfect. They did that. Um, But Wilmington, the Joseph R. Biden uh, train station, which I did not know that that the train station was named for the president. I guess uh, that makes sense. Right. Delaware, you know, big big Uh, fan of trains (laughs) and a big fan of trains, too. Yes. Uh, But that actually happens to be Jim Salisbury's home stop. He lives uh, closer to Wilmington. And so he, he caught me red handed. I was, <laughs> I was waiting for the train oh, there and no. he, he saw me. No, and he's like, in Delaware. He saw me. He's like, oh, what? Man. He was so confused. He's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> uh, so, so that you was, know, uh, 
Yeah. It, it, it's very funny that, that there's so much of a Delaware connection going on this morning because I was also in Delaware uh, last weekend with my wife for a wedding. You mistakenly go into Delaware. Salisbury's coming up from Delaware. Later this week, we're going to have a, a conversation with uh, Delaware native Corinne Landry, the director of baseball operations for the Phillies. It's a very Delaware focused week and I, I'm kind of into it. But anyway, that aside, um, speaking of going in, in the wrong direction, we have a baseball team here, Matt, that continues to really not understand which way it wants to go. We have the the two-faced dichotomy, wh- whatever you want to call it, of this team at its best and the team at its frustrating typical, frustratingly typical, all within the same week. We have a four-game sweep of, a sweep of the Rockies, who had been playing well at home, where they score at least seven runs in all four games. They look great. They don't allow more than three and eight. Everything's clicking. Bone looks great defensively. People are hitting. Schwarber looks like he's snapping out of it. And then they take the train up north to play the Mets and take one out of three. They hit three home runs off of Max Scherzer and still lose on national TV. They get no hit on Friday. <laughs> like, <laughs> incredible no hitter when you think about it. 159 pitches yeah think about the luck involved edwin in... jackson style <laughs> you know like it, it, i so look part of my condition and i consider this a, a very gentle mental illness is that being no hit like that didn't really bother me i i didn't really feel affected by it i'm like oh, all right that's cool you must appreciate friends. it you're like yeah yeah them. Like, you know they pulled off this ridiculous like you it know, is ridiculous especially yeah. for a team that had been hitting as well as the phillies where they come in and are immediately shut down i mean i know you know kyle schwarber technically can say he was immune he did not he walked three times he was not no hit um so it was like an eight plus anyway i felt kind of like eh, about the whole thing because i knew the phillies were going to come out the next day and play another game and of course they won and looked really good it was a nice you know bounce back but i don't really think of being no hit as that big of a deal and i that aside i can understand how frustrating it must be for fans to watch this team just basically run the Rockies out of town for four games and then immediately get the clamps put on them. Is that just like more microcosmic action for what this team is going to be? They're going to score, you know, seven runs for four straight games. And then, oh, you never know. They they might lay a big fat egg. Yeah. And I think the Sunday game is probably what should bother everyone the most. It's like, yeah, you're right. The no hitter. It's like, you know, give, give them, tip your hat a ridiculous game you know whatever should they have been no hit no they come back saturday respond well and then sunday you know you you, you score four off shirts or you get three home runs off shirts or you you know you have some big swings you have some good at bats against them you get them out after six innings uh but you know there were so many uh it, it just it just never you know efflin did not pitch well it was kind of like one of those things where you need to shut down inning and, and twice i think it was he just uh he, he really could deliver. And I think the Mets had yeah. like 15 hits and 11 of them were singles. And you're like, man, like, you know, this was a game that they, they, they could have won. I'm not saying they should have won that game. They could have won it. And that's, that's the swing game right there. Okay. So you lose the series on that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you're looking up and you're just kind of frustrated because you, you know, it's the one step, two step forward, one step back, et cetera. Like, uh, you're right. It was a week that, uh, is, is very much emblematic of the Phillies, you know, really for the last few years. And I know that that's frustrating for people because, you know, we expected this team to uh, sort of, sort of shake that uh, identity that, that uh, they've been assigned for these last few years. And so far we, what we've gotten is, is a lot of the same. Uh, There have been improvements in certain spots and then not improvement, not improvements anywhere else. Like Odubo Herrera is still making uh, mistakes on the bases, mistakes on the field. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, pitching is just still inconsistent and uh, it's a team that's still prone to a lot of strikeouts. I think they are in the bottom third of the league in strikeouts, I think. Um, yeah, that's probably just going to be part of who they are. You know, you you kind of inherit that with a, a lineup that's built to hit the way they hit and, and the players who have the track records they do. I mean, even, you know, Harper strikes out more than a quarter of the time. I, I think one of the one of the troubling early things here, and and this could change. They could somehow get hot, you know, this month and and flip this on its head a little bit. They've played the Mets six times already, and they're going to play the Mets four more times 
before this week is over. So ten more than half of their their and then three more at the end of the month. Yeah. yeah. So they're just they're jam packing it in. And you know, baseball reference, baseballreference.com, totally essential site, has this really cool little number that I like to look at. It's not like a, an end all be all, but it is a, a neat little thing that they call championship leverage index. And it's how important a game is relative to a team's chances of winning the World Series based on predictions and projections. So it's not everything. It's not perfect, but it is a, a neat little thing to look at. And I have the Philly schedule sorted by that right now. And there's six most important games by this number <laughs> so far. They're one in five. The one win was the comeback win against the Mets where they won five to four after being down uh, four to one. Scoring five runs. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. You, <laughs> games in April and early May can be just as important as games in September especially when you're so loaded on divisional opponents and punting these games, these important games so early is another thing that you hope you might forget about. If there's a hot streak in the middle of the summer, but come September when the division race is really heating up and the Phillies are, you know, let's say three games back as things really kick into high gear. You look at some of these games when there've been some opportunities for them to win, but others where they've just been completely shut down and you're like, well, that was a chance that was squandered. Yeah, yeah, especially when, like, again, you're going to see them in late. You're going to see them next weekend. You're going to see or this weekend. You're going to see them in late May, mm-hmm. and then you're not going to see them after that until the middle of August. Yep. And and yeah, I mean, yeah, like you only have so many chances to, you know, if if we think the Mets are going to be sort of setting the pace at the top of the division, which I think I think they will be. Uh, you know, those those head to head matchups. Uh, you know, be, become a little more important when you're chasing that team. And uh, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Like I, I wrote a little bit about it uh, in the athletic. I mean, it, it's hard to, it's hard to assign like a, a lot of value to, to, to early games like this, but with the way the schedule is, is, is composed, I think you have to look at it that way. I mean, these, these, you only get so many chances against the Mets and I think Joe Girardi is right. I mean, he was like, I wish we they would have been a little spread out, especially because the Mets are playing such good baseball right now. You yeah. get the feeling that you caught them at, you know, probably the worst time because, you know, who the hell knows what both these teams look like in August. I think it's like August 12th, the, mm-hmm. the next time they play each other after May. Like, who knows? Um, you Maybe you would have wanted to play them later on instead of now. You know, it, it it's so funny. Not really funny at all, but it's so funny that you think about Jacob deGrom missing this time. And I remember when the yeah. news of his injury came out during spring training and you're like, oh, the Phillies play a lot of their games against the Mets early <laughs> on. They're going to get to skip him. And it hasn't made any difference. You know, yeah. I, I guess it helps when you have um, someone like Tyler McGill make the leap and turn into, you know, a DeGrom light on his own to start. Yeah, the they're year. they're they're going to miss him this weekend. So I'm sure they're excited about that. But they're also going to get to see Chris Bassett for the first time. They're going to see Cookie Carrasco, too. They haven't seen him in a long time. And, you know, Chris Chris Bassett, just to touch on that for a second, he's a, a, a change of pace artist. And I feel like historically, and there have been a number of different pitchers who have used this tactic, I feel like historically that can make for a frustrating day. I know actually Tim Hudson, when he was going for Atlanta, did a really good job of keeping the Phillies off balance basically every time he started against them in his career, not by being overpowering, just by locating and, and changing speeds. That Bassett Unless he was facing... Unless he was facing Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard, yes, of course. Uh, but that's, you know, more more Mets series weirdness to look forward to. At least the Phillies will be home uh, this weekend when they take them on. After a, a brief little two-game series at home against the Texas Rangers, who are without fan favorite Spencer Howard, um, who the Phillies will not see and, and get to work against for the first time. Uh, can I give you a trivia question? You absolutely can. The Philly, the last time the the Rangers came to Citizens Bank Park was uh, 2011. Uh oh. And uh, I'll give you three guesses. You are not going to guess who caught the last game the Phillies played uh, the Rangers in Citizens Bank Park for the Phillies. The Phillies catcher that day on May 22nd, 2011. 2011. So it wouldn't be, would it be, wouldn't be Schneider? Would it be? Schneider's a good guess. I mean, he, I think he would have been on that team. It was not him, though. Oh, uh, no. Lou Marson? No. No, he, he was, was gone by then. then. He, that's right. He was traded for 
Cliff Lee by then. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Who was it? Dane Sardinia. Oh, no. Oh, I haven't heard that <laughs> he name went, in forever. He went one for one with two walks that day. Oh, the Phillies, good for you, the Phillies lost. The Phillies lost two to nothing. Oh, but, of course uh, they did. You yeah. know, you know what? You know what that makes me think of hearing something like that. <laughs> there's there's an all time baseball tweet that's really less than a year old, and it's about the Angels and and having Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and still finding ways to lose. Um, it goes something like, you know, Mike Trout had four hits and Shohei Otani did something not seen since Tungsten Armo Doyle in 1890 <laughs> as the Angels lost to the Tigers eight to three or something like that. And it makes me think of the way this team has been, the Phillies, for the last couple of years, where they have a, a preternaturally talented superstar, Bryce Harper, for you know four seasons now, and they keep trying to build around him. And 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 I think the Sixers are have a little bit of this issue now too, although they've at least made the playoffs, where they have an incredibly talented player to build around, and it's just not quite there yet. Sixers still alive, only down one nothing in their series against the Heat. Far too early to call them buried. But you look at what the Phillies are trying to do. They they have a two-time MVP on their roster who is only just going to turn 30. And we're still talking about how they can't get consistency from series to series within a season. Not just, you know, month to month or maybe having, you know, one bad game a week or something like that. It's just something they can't seem to shake. It's that existential kind of like, what is happening? And, and what it, we keep touching on this because I think it's just... A, a haunted kind of feeling right now that I think. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. No, it's, it, it, it's a haunted feeling that you just can't shake. Cause there's a, there's a specter or something that we keep coming back to where every week you hope the narrative is going to be a little bit different. You're like, Oh, okay. Maybe now they're finally clicking. And you know, they had a, a, a good run of games where they, they scored a bunch of runs like they did this week against the Rockies only to immediately spoil it by getting completely wiped out on offense. It's just, is that just baseball? I keep coming back to this question and I, I'm not resolving it yet so far this year. I have an answer for you. Ooh. And this is just a theory. But think, what's the best team? What's the best Phillies team in the last 15 years? 2011 team. 2011 team. And that team was seventh in the National League and run scored seventh in OPS, uh, ninth in batting average, if we want to look at that, uh, mm -hmm. eighth in hits, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh like they were the most consistent. I don't know that a Phillies team will ever win 102 games ever again because it was that good. Tough, but they yeah. were the most consistent team every day because they had they had really good pitching. Yep. And the Phillies have not been able, and and they're never going to duplicate the 2011 staff. I'm not suggesting that, but they haven't even come close, in my opinion, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to duplicating that caliber of pitching. Not, not even way. you know 60 percent of what they had in 2011. And a team is only as consistent as its rotation, in my opinion. And this, this team, this Phillies team is, is not built for that. This Phillies team is built to score. And I understand that. And it, and it can be a successful model toward winning, uh, winning a lot of games and even winning a championship, but uh, it's going to lead to uh, I think some disjointed performances, you know, weeks where it looks incredible weeks where it doesn't. And that's just the nature of hitting, especially the nature of hitting in baseball 2022, mm -hmm. uh, given the, you know, the advances in pitching, the questions about the ball, et cetera, et cetera, humidor, that ball that Bryce Harper hit, uh, I guess it was Friday night. No, Saturday night. What night was it? Friday night? No, Saturday night. He hit a ball that to center field straightaway center that I, I, uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure how it didn't get out of the ballpark. Like it, it should have been a home run. Like, the one that died yeah, 999 times out of a thousand times. It's a home run. And even Schwarber said something about it after the game. And it, and it was, uh, I, I, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to figure it out. Uh, I think it was Saturday night, right? I, I don't know why I can't remember this, but uh, that's the nature of the sport right now. And, when you're built the way they're built, uh, it's going to be inconsistent in the last, you know, however many years have been inconsistent because they just haven't had enough pitching. Uh, and, and, and think about we, the bullpen has kind of pitched well recently and they really won Saturday's game. The only game they won in that Mets series because the bullpen, you know, really, uh, was tremendous and they've picked each other up. They've been, you know, stranded a bunch of inherited runners. And I think that's helped, uh, you know, big time early on in the season, but, 
Uh, the pitching just hasn't been consistent enough, and that's why you're going to look at this team and say, you know, why is why does it feel like it, it's just not clicking, all clicking? Here's here's what gives me a little bit of hope, because I think the the second best team in in the run that you mentioned, uh, maybe not say maybe third best after 2010, would be the 07 team. I I think the 08 team just as constructed might be like the fourth best team of the last 15 years. Anyway, the 07 team is a good analog for what we're looking at this year it's mm-hmm. a team built for offense not a lot of good pitching and i'm i'm trying to think back on that experience 15, 15 years ago now and thinking back uh, of the 2017 that was another team that kind of struggled to get going right this was this was in the wake of of jimmy rollins putting his chest out and being like hey we're the team to beat. we have we have a good team we're going to take this division I think by the end of May, they were still around 500, maybe even below 500. And they really had a tough time getting going too. They, they were many, many games back in the division. Things were looking, you know, not so great for that prognostication. And then they just got going. Hitting season actually arrived and they started hitting the ball and they started overcoming their, their pitching deficit. And of course, as we all know, they eventually came back and won the division. It's hard to, it's hard to expect something like that to happen from season to season, especially as so much has changed. The players have changed. The total environment of the sport has changed. But if there's something that can give a little bit of hope, even as I'm in the midst of this, you know, why can't they shake this? What is going on over these last couple of years? Can we please get more than two games above 500? Is thinking back to that team and the way it was built and how it eventually clicked. Let me give I you a, rem- uh, yeah, let me give you. So the 2022 Phillies, uh-huh. Uh, in April slash March, mm-hmm. hit 244, 318, 400. Mm-hmm. That's a 717 OPS. The 2007 Phillies, and you're right, they did not start that well. They, st- they hit 270, 362, <laughs> 427 on. for a 789 OPS. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's a 360 on base as a team. Yeah. Okay. And so if, if you look at this, is crazy. All right, I'm sorry. 2007, okay. The the twenty the two thousand seven Phillies slugged four fifty eight in two thousand seven. Do you know what the league average slugging in twenty twenty two is right now? Oh, right that's got to that's got to start with a three, right? Oh yeah, I mean not not yeah not yeah three three seventy <laughs> three sixty eight. So the two thousand seven Phillies were essentially hundred points better than the league average team in twenty twenty two. Oh, that's brutal. So that's I I agree with you. The two thousand seven is a great comp for this team but man like the the environment the just the the game has changed so much since then like that that 2007 team averaged 5.51 runs per game these phillies are averaging 4.61 so really a a run per game difference and right now a run per game would be would make a whole hell of a lot difference for this team uh also, it would make them the highest scoring team in baseball by like a half a run. So, sure. <laughs> so I don't know how realistic that is, but yeah, it's for that for this to work, they have to be a top five run scoring team in baseball. And right now, they actually rank uh, sixth. They are sixth in baseball with four point six one runs per game. It's pretty good. And we're still sitting here, right? And we're we're still sitting here, like ah, it just doesn't feel right, right? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're hitting the ball out of the park relatively to this league. Again, it's hard to have to adjust what your expectations are for a baseball team and a baseball season so much. It feels like from year to year with all of the changes that are happening, you know, pitching, pitching just exploded really over the last, I guess we're coming up on, on 10 years, but probably a little bit less than that. And in the last couple with the emergence of just unbelievably advanced arms from the minors for basically every team anybody it feels like these days could reach down into triple a for a quick call up and have a guy with an average fastball of 97 when you know 10 years ago that was almost unthinkable just so many more advancements in pitching training and metrics than in hitting it's so much further ahead than hitting i i think well speaking of further ahead that's that's an excellent segue i with you being on on the show for the last time for a couple of weeks i want to think about you know we know where the phillies are today let's think about where they are five weeks from now early june we understand that you know they're hovering around 500 again i think they've only hit the 500 mark three times 
in the first 20 some games so far, which is light work for them. Um, but they're, <laughs> yeah. 11, they're 11 and 12. They're sitting in third in the East. They're hanging in there, but the Mets are, are like you said, they're good. And I don't think they're going to go away. Um, but let's just think about the Phillies right now. All right. Let's take it bit by bit and think about five weeks from now, what certain things are going to look like right now on offense. The leader in homers and RBIs is Kyle Schwarber. He's got seven homers, got 16 ribbies through the first 20, 21 games. Uh, he's only hitting 200, but he's making all of his hits count, basically. Um, who is going to be this team's homer and or RBI leader in early June when you come back? Uh, is it is it a cop out to say Schwarber? I don't know. No. I make he's on the team, isn't he? Like, like, I don't think, I don't think, if I let's say I'm coming back like mid June, mm-hmm. I don't think Bryce Harper is going to play right field while I'm gone at all. No, really? You think he's going to be DH for the next five weeks? Yes. What, then why does? Oh boy. Well, I know the answer of why doesn't he go on the IL or get? Yeah, you know, I mean he needs to stay in the lineup. Yeah, right. I mean it's really. I mean, God, I mean, could you even imagine? Could you imagine if there was no DH? I mean, he wouldn't have been playing. He would have been out since. Uh, for two weeks since, already. Yeah, I mean, it would have been, yes, almost, you know, more than two weeks. But yeah, about two weeks, he would have not been playing and you would have been facing an uncertain timeline for his return. Uh, maybe he gets into right field by the end of May. Maybe. Uh, I, I'm i going to go, I'm going to be ultra conservative and say that he is not playing right field until sometime in mid-June, early mid-June. That uh, yeah, that, I mean yeah. that ticks off another question. But go ahead, go ahead and finish the thought on on the on Schwarber. But but about the about the offense, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, Schwarber's power stroke seems to be coming along, and it's funny because you know you would look at him his first three weeks and say even four weeks, and you'd be like, Ugh, like just not not great. Um, and then you look up, and it's so funny that he's hitting. You know, he's he's like 200, 318, 520, and that's 144 OPS plus. So he's 44% better than league average with a even with a 318 on base percentage. That just shows you yeah. how much slug he's had. Um, but and also just the state of the sport. But uh <laughs> I I'm gonna go with him. I don't know. Castellanos is probably another choice. I feel like he's really cooled off, but of the of the of you know, of the season as a whole so far, he's probably had the most um quality at bats uh among anyone the guy can hit he really can and i know he has struggled the last 10 days or so but he he's really impressive i've been impressed by his his approach at the plate just his presence yeah me too he's he's definitely a guy who when he comes to the plate you feel like you're gonna see a decent at bat i remember he had one bad at bat i think it was on sunday where he swung at three straight pitches whiffed on all of them and was out of there and i was like that is one of the last guys i would have expected that from right now which says, I think, a lot about the the sort of subconscious comfort you have watching him at the plate. Um, second time capsule question. Who among the players currently on the team, uh, now that we've been trimmed to 26 with the optioning of Chris Sanchez and, and Damon Jones yesterday to, to meet the new uh, roster requirement, who who is currently on the team will not be on the team by mid-June when you come back? Hmm. And this is not injury related. This, has this to is be not injury related. related. This is a DFA. This is a release. This is a trade. This is something where the player is no longer on the active roster. Uh, Veerling. I think Veerling's going to end up going to AAA. Uh, he just he's going to ha- end up having to play, and maybe it's maybe you know Moniac is starting to is starting to swing. He hasn't. He hasn't hit. I know that sounds weird. He's starting to swing, but he really has dry swings, as they would say, which is I hate yeah, that. Right. I hate that term. He's dry <laughs> swinging. It's a wet uh, swing. <laughs> exactly. What a baseball term. Dry Ugh. hump, dry swing. Uh, he's dry swinging uh, and he is throwing. He's he's going to need some time. And I, I don't know that he's, uh, you know, even when he's ready, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be at AAA. Like, I don't know if there's a spot for him necessarily right now, but. I think they're going to reach a point where Veerling's got to go play. Uh, and and he's just kind of, I wouldn't say he's fallen out of favor, but he has. Um, Herrera, for all of his warts and, you know, both 
mm-hmm. numerous on the field, off the field, etc., uh, has hit, and they are they are going to ride him. He's going to play, mm-hmm. uh, and he's hit well. And I think Quinn, you know, could just be like the the backup, you know, like the fourth outfielder or whatever. Uh, you know, maybe they make a waiver claim or something for a fourth outfielder, and Bjorling goes out. Uh, I can tell you the one guy who I'm not really sure what to make of, and if you go on his baseball savant page, it's I wouldn't say it's funny because it's it's pretty it's it's pretty bad, and that's and that's Didi Gregorius. And I, yeah. I'm not really sure what to I'm. If, if I'm talking about five, six weeks from now, who I'm most curious to see, like what his situation is, I think it's D.D. Gregorius. Because right now, if you look at his baseball savant page, Paul, it's he's the first percentile average exit velocity, first percentile barrel percent, second percentile hardest hit, uh, third percentile outs about outs above average, which means in the field he's been as bad as he's been at the plate, third percent shape percentile chase rate. He has done nothing well. 88th percentile strikeout percentage. He has done nothing well. I just and... I just pulled it up, and you're right. That's a lot of blue. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with, with baseball savants percentiles, um, low percentiles bad. are bad. <laughs> Unless your strikeout percentage and high is also bad. Yeah. I oh boy. Um he he is not mm. I, and I'm not really I know he hasn't been healthy, and I know he he missed some time there, so it's it's a really small, you know, he's only had 57 plate appearances here. Yep. And the, and the traditional numbers, you're like, oh, he's hitting 275. Like, okay. Right. Like, but the underlying metrics suggest that this is not good. And stock, you know, has gone down. He's he's playing every day. He's He's gone and hit to his credit. Like, let's say he hits really well for four weeks down at AAA. And let's say DD doesn't. Mm. I feel like we're going to have another, we're going to have this, this shortstop conversation is going to come up again. The, the same conversation that was had all winter. And we kind of forgot about it for a while because Gregorius was fine in the spring, you know, stop, maybe found a home a third, then didn't, et cetera, et cetera. I think in the next five, six weeks, there could be, you know, a rekindling of that shortstop conversation. Interesting. You know, I, I sort of thought that the easy answer would be right here for who's off the team. Um, thinking a little bit more aggressively and and that would have been, you know, Roman Quinn, because like you were saying, Moniac is down there. We have a a couple of options at least. And Quinn has, has been okay in his couple of appearances, but it's only been, you know, what, four trips to the plate, whatever. Um, But in thinking about it, you're right because Didi's stats on the surface kind of belie how he's gotten them. And I think that's really important to look at the context and that, you know, just because the average says 275, yes, he's only struck out, you know, I'm looking at his page now, eight times in 57 plate appearances. That's that's low and that's good, especially in today's game where, where strikeouts are so high and in a lineup where a lot of guys do strike out very frequently. But you can't expect a guy who's, you know, getting swinging bunts for hits to continue to get swinging bunts for hits. That's not a strategy. Um, and the, so I, the whiff rate, the chase rate, you know, all yes. that. it's actually amazing that it, what I think what's happened is he's made so much contact. On bad he's pitches. swinging so much, right? He's made yeah. so much contact on pitches out of the zone and that's resulting in we, really weak contact and just not quality contact. That's interesting. It's very interesting. I, I do think even though um, his middle infield partner Segura has, has been slumping pretty bad recently too, there's, there's more faith for me in Gene than Didi right now, not just because of, recent history where Gene had a much better season last year. Uh, Just the style of hitter that they are. They both make a lot of contact, but I feel like Segura puts together slightly, not overwhelmingly, but slightly more selective at bats where he gets better pitches to drive, puts himself in better position to get pitches to hit. And his numbers should come back up a little bit. He puts the bat to the ball a little bit more frequently. So even though his numbers are trailing DDs right now, for the most part, uh, I, I think that's interesting, especially because as we've seen Camargo, Camargo held down shortstop passably. I, yeah. I think he was a good stopgap for a while there while, while Didi's arm was bothering him again and he needed to step in for a little bit. So if worse came to worse, you know, Gregorius is in his walk year. Like we just, well, it's not exactly the same thing, but the Mets designated Robinson Cano for assignment. If you have somebody who's underperforming, regardless of how much money they're still making and you have some a, a clear replacement and somebody who can do it a little better, you got to make the move if you're a contending team. So that's that's an interesting play. Cigar is hitting the ball harder than he ever has in his career. Yeah, yeah. On an average rate. That's why I'm not worried about him. Like like four miles 
average exit velocity higher four four mm-hmm. miles per hour average uh higher than normal he's he's hit the ball really hard so yes you look at the two stat lines and you're like huh you know i'm taking the shortstop right now but i mean yeah you got to look under the hood and and i think right now uh if i was betting on one of them i, I think it's segura for for a lot of reasons but really the quality of contact is the biggest uh, thinking a little more broadly uh the bullpen is off to a really good start uh, at least those guys who are still uh, on the active roster, including a couple of surprises in Andrew Bellotti and maybe not ERA wise, but James Norwood has flashed some pretty good stuff. And even Nick Nelson has had a couple of good mop-up appearances. Thinking more broadly without putting an exact number to it, does the bullpen hold up for the next five weeks pitching as well as it has to start the year? Uh, you know, I think my only questions are regarding uh familia and dominguez uh mm. i want to know i'm you know those are the two right-handed setup guys uh and i i think familia's velocity has been down it hasn't been as good um quality of contact has been i think way up uh, i'd have to look at his underlying metrics but i think he's given up he's given up a lot of hard contact like way more than you should be giving up. And last year you gave up a ton of home runs and they're like, ah, oh, you know, we think it's just a one year thing. Like that's going to, that's going to neutralize. It's not going to be as bad this year. And then with Dominguez, like he's been, you know, off the charts, like, you know, really impressive. He's great. Um, yep. You just wonder how long that's going to hold up. Right. And I hate to, you know, uh, you don't want to be like the Debbie Downer there, but I mean, like he has, he's, you know, he's, shouldering a pretty heavy load here for for a guy who really missed about three years if you look at it he hasn't pitched back-to-back days yet um and that's on purpose mm-hmm. uh i think you're gonna see them try to do that with him at some point in the next few weeks um and, and really for this whole thing to work like he needs to be able to pitch back-to-back days if he's your you know if he's your seventh inning maybe even some nights your eighth inning right-handed setup man like you're gonna kind of need him on back-to-back days and and the bullpen thing is weird, Paul, because like they haven't had a lot of um, a lot of leads, like close leads to protect. So like we haven't seen them have to, you know, lean on the better pitchers in the bullpen. You know, for example, like if you look at by batters faced, I mean, uh, you know, Knable is leading the way. He's he's faced thirty six batters here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not it's not a lot when you think about you know that we're twenty three games into the season. Uh, Knable has been terrific. So, uh, if you're, if you're looking at trying to figure out how this is going to shake out, like I, I think, uh, everyone has done their job so far. Right. Uh, even your guy Alvarado, uh, I, I know <laughs> might drive you crazy, but I no, think he's, bef- he's been all right. He's been all right. Yeah. I think before I return from my leave, I believe that, uh, big Frank Morales will be a part of this. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think he's going to be a part of this. And, and he, he, if you'll notice, if you pay attention to the Myers, they've been using Francisco Morales as sort of the closer at double A writing, but not really like he's been pitching more than one inning, almost every outing. Mm-hmm. And they're doing that on purpose. Yeah. Um, they wanted him to be a guy uh, when he comes to the majors and it's not an, if it's going to be a when at this point, I think yeah, yeah, as long as he stays healthy. Uh, to be a guy who can get four or five or six outs uh, at a time for them. Um, because he has started his whole life, he can do that. Uh, they simplified things. Obviously, he's not throwing his changeup anymore. He's fastball slider. It's a power combination. He's pitching from the stretch. No more, uh, you know, uh, weird limbs moving in his windup. He's a he's a gigantic guy. He's huge. Um, mm. And it, he had trouble really... Uh, cleaning those mechanics up and, and, and they just did it for him by pitching from the stretch. And you can do that as a reliever and, and more and more starters are pitching from the stretch too. But, uh, he, he's going to be a part of this, I think by, you know, by early June, I, I think he's a part of this. And I think that's something that would really help, right? Obviously, obviously the player use strategy is, is different now that the national league has the DH and you don't need to worry so much about double switching or the pitcher spot mm-hmm. in the order when you make a change. But I do think what the bullpen is missing is a quality up and down guy, right? And those like, guys are going to become cool again. You're right. Because, yeah. And you've noticed the Phillies, and, and this is happening across the league, they've they've had guys pitch. It hasn't may, maybe been more than three outs, but they've done it over two innings more often than they would have 
in years past. Yes, and, and that's what I mean by up and down in this particular case is within a game, not not a quad A guy you yeah. send up and down as a, as a fresh arm. This is somebody who can finish an inning, rest, have the arm cool down, and then come back out and still be effective. You're not going to do that with Sir Anthony right now, because at least not too much if you can help it, because he is still recovering. And none of the other guys, at least as the roster is currently constructed, really do that two inning that guys much. no right none of those guys are two inning guys no um outside of of course you know nelson or norwood or somebody you might throw at a game that's a little bit more out of reach i'm talking about a guy you can reliably bring in to do a wraparound they tried this with with hector naris a few times and he wasn't super no, successful at it all the time he was not. um but this is something i think that could really help solidify that bullpen and if francisco morales can be that guy uh, i do think that would be a big help uh, and now a wild card, Matt. I'll open this one up. What do you think will be either something that's surprising or something that's not surprising? Something that will be true about the Phillies of middle June by the time we get to talk to you again next. Uh, hmm. Aaron Nola is pitching better. Go Look on. at what Aaron Nola has done so far. <laughs> Go on. I'm, I'm not, I want people to, uh, you know, he is, I know. <laughs> He's been very he's given good up so as far. Ma- he's given up as many home runs as he's given up walks. Sure. He's walked five guys in 27 and two-thirds innings with 34 strikeouts. All of, the, all of it is there. It is all there. And I know we've said that for a while. I, uh, I thought his start against the Mets in the no-hitter game was, was really good. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that it's three runs in six innings and people, you know, kind of got upset about the, the home run he gave up late. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it was a good outing. I think his last, really his last four have been good. I mean, take out opening day, you know, he's got a three thirty two in those four games, and the Phillies are zero yeah. four in those games. Well, wow. <laughs> tail as old as time. And so, uh, I think he as he, his next start, he should get to hundred pitches. The Phillies have not had a starter hit hundred pitches yet, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a fascinating thing to me, and I understand why, but. The sport uh, and talk about the sport changing so much. I mean, yeah, yeah, right. We're 23 games in the season and no one has thrown 100 pitches (laughs) yet. But uh, I think Noah is going when when I get back, I think people are going to be talking about how well Noah has been pitching. Well, I I personally love to hear that. Um, I, I think, you know, I think we're allowed to. I think we're allowed to be a little bit subjective, or at least I am in this particular case. There's no cheering in the press box, and we won't ask you to, to pick particular favorites. But I, as the outsider, as the the subjective one of this duo, love to see it. Because remember, this is the guy who I thought was most important for this team's success outside of you know the, the usual suspects. The, the guy who I really thought needed to return to some kind of form for this team to really hang in there and hopefully eventually clinch a playoff spot and for my money he's done it yes opening day not great but i love the fact that the walks are so far down because i remember i remember going to opening day 2019 and he had that start against atlanta and yes the phillies won and it was great andrew mccutcheon homer on the first at bat and i think they they dumped 10 on atlanta whatever that that was a nice day but i i could tell something was different about him and has been different about him ever since really when he walked i think five guys in that start an opening day wasn't great. The fact that he's been able to curtail the walk so far while still not sacrificing his strikeout stuff. Yes, the, the home runs are still there. His mistakes seem to get lit up more than basically any other pitcher alive. But he's, <laughs> he, he's limiting the walks, which is a thing that was really holding him back because as a guy with stuff that moves as much as his does, it almost seemed as if hitters had cracked the case with his curveball, with his two-seamer, with being able to track the movement and understand where the pitch was going to end up, whether it was going to be a hittable pitch or whether it was going to fall out of the zone and pick up on that early, spit on the pitches that they had been chasing the first couple years of his career and work him into these grinding innings where he's thrown 20-plus pitches, maybe walking a couple of guys, and he's out of there by the time the fifth inning ends. And we'd seen that a lot over the last couple of years. I think that is hopefully, but I think that is behind him. And I would love to see him get to that hundred pitch mark and not fall apart at the end. Hopefully not get tattooed on a mistake. Hopefully not walk the last two hitters he faces in an outing because then that I think could really start to cement 
and this is extra comforting while Zach Wheeler continues to figure it out, it would really cement his sort of return as a reliable starter. Again, maybe not quite 2018, but having that, we'll even call it a number two, could do so much to take a little, alleviate a little bit of the mental burden of watching this team right now where you still feel like they're going to have to score six runs in order to win the game. He gave up, uh, what was it, 26 home runs last year. 15 of them were solo shots. Uh, this year he's given up those five home runs. Mm-hmm. Four of them have been solo shots. And and go. to your point about the walks, like if he's going to, if he gives up 30 home runs this year, which he might, he might give he up might. 30 home runs. Sure. If, if more than two thirds of them are solo home runs, whatever. You take like, that. Whatever. Yep. And I know the home runs are frustrating. And you're, like you said, those mistake pitches, he, he it's harder for him to get away with them mm-hmm. uh, because the stuff is just not, you know, it's just okay. He's obviously a command guy. Yep. Uh, whatever. Like as long as he's limiting the base runners, you live with those home runs. You live with a mistake. And I know people don't want to hear that, but I agree with you. I also look at what he's done against lefties so far this year, which has been a problem for him in the past. Uh, lefties have not hit him well so far this year. Again, only five starts, but all these little things, these underlying things I've looked at. And that's why I think in, 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 in five, six weeks, I think we're going to be saying, Hey, this guy might've turned a corner or he is at least, uh, resembling, um, the guy that we, we thought he was. All right. So there's room to hope, even though, uh, the Phillies are 11 and 12 sitting at third in the East right now, sort of still trying to find their groove and, and, and get into the swing of things. Ha ha. Uh, it seems like there are a couple of, <laughs> you just, you, you, you got to tolerate me when I do this stuff. The, the, the Phillies seem like there are some, they have some positive signs that there are ways that this next month could go right. Obviously, as, as we know with this team, there are ways that it could go wrong, but just because they're a game under 500 right now, doesn't mean they're without hope. doesn't mean they're without a path forward to hopefully surging back and making this, uh, NL East race a bit it's more a, competitive as we yeah, have summer. It's an interesting schedule. You know, like they have uh, a two really challenging road trips in the next month. Uh, seven out West, so Seattle and the, and the Dodgers, and then mm-hmm. uh, seven in the division, uh, Atlanta, where we know they play great baseball in Atlanta. Those West always, Coast trips are always trouble too. They, they always play great baseball in Atlanta. They love that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then three in New York after that. So it's, okay. it's uh, those, those are challenging trips uh they're gonna uh early june they might get you know i I wanted to map it out it's too far ahead but i want to see if they're gonna face otani uh when the angels early june angels come here a weekend in june and i think there'll be big crowds for that series i mean trout you know doesn't come here often and and uh i do think that's one of the cool things about the new schedule you know starting next year is that they will see the angels every year It, it may not be in philly every year but Mm -hmm. hypothetically it's in philly every other year the angels will be here Mm mm-hmm um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a while since they've been here and I don't know. You think th- would they sell out the ballpark if Otani starts? Like, is that like a big walk-up crowd? Do you think they get like m- more than 40,000 if, if Otani is starting one of those games? I I'd say Weekend. no, I know. No, really? I know. I I'd say no. I really, I, no, I, I, I don't because you don't think he's a big enough draw. I do think, I do think he's a draw. I, I think there's a great chance the attendance number starts with a three. But okay. I don't think they sell out simply because I don't think the appetite is fully back with this team yet. And a lot yeah. would have to go right this month in order to get a full house. I know all the ingredients are there. If Otani starts and Trout is healthy, like they they should be able to pack the park. Um, but a lot will depend on how they've done, you know, that that division yeah. road trip, no, like you mentioned, yeah. and the San yeah. Fran series. Sorry, I'm not supposed to call it San Fran. The San Francisco series right before that is going to tell a lot about, I think, what kind of attendance they're going to have. Yeah, plus the Sixers will be, is that the NBA Finals by now? No, probably Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe NBA Finals, right? I'm being, I'm wish casting here. It's pretty, uh, pretty close by then, I would think, but I'm not entirely sure. It's not going to happen, but uh, you can dream. <laughs> uh, all right. So we, we got some stuff to look forward to, Matt. I, I, I know you'll be watching from afar, even if you won't be on for, for a little bit yet. Um, but before you, before you head off and, and enjoy some time with your family, um, any last words before we check in with you again in June? 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm probably not going to be. I'm probably not going to be awake for those. Uh, for the dot, I'm going to miss going to Dodger Stadium as my uh, as my favorite ballpark in baseball. And mm. people think that's weird when I say that, but it's uh, it's a cool place. If you've never gone to a game at Dodger Stadium, and uh, it's probably too late for you to book the trip now because it's in ten days. But it's rare that they actually get a, a weekend there. The Phillies are there this year for a weekend, and it that's is true. Uh, that's true. It's a it's a really cool place to see a game. It 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 it. it, it it's uh, there's no uh, atmosphere like it, uh, especially when the Dodgers are good and uh, they are good again. So uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just as fascinated as you are. It's just that time of year where it's like, you know, it's still a feeling out and like you get to Memorial day and you start to have a pretty good feel for like who they're going to, you know, uh, bring to the, to the biggest fights in the summer. Right. Like you, you have a more, a little more of a settled roster by Memorial day. You have a feel Mm -hmm. for, what the team is, what the division is, you know, what the sport looks like. Maybe they change the balls again uh, by the time I come back, or maybe the humidors are shut down. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe that nice. Harper ball that did not get out. Oh, it was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Phillies need, yeah, they need the they need the ball to to fly. Everyone's like, well, it's just an average of three feet less, and that's that's a that's a, <laughs> that's that's, a big difference. That is a big difference. It's a huge difference uh, for, especially for a team that is built on slugging and uh, yeah, they get the Dodgers seven. I'm going to miss the Dodgers seven times. I get them at four in LA and then three at home the next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, not exactly the team you want to see uh, seven times out of 10 games uh, in the middle of May. And that's what the Phillies are going to get. So yeah, uh, here's my last word by prediction. They'll probably be like 500 when I get back. Oh, really going out on a limb. <laughs> like, just because, I don't know. Like, if they're not, if they're not within two games of 500, like when I'm back, I'm going to be stunned. I will be stunned. That will be the biggest upset. Okay. And it's not, right. not, not just because, like, I don't think they can do it. They're not talented enough, but just because, like, the magnet of, of 500, the magnetizing effect is so strong. It's incredible. The pole is just, uh, irreversible. Good stuff. Matt. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoy the next couple of weeks with uh, with your little ones and, and your wife and family. Uh, we'll miss you here, but for those of you out there who are, are thinking of jumping ship until Matt comes back, I get it. But also, we've no, got some interesting stuff. We've also got some interesting stuff coming up for you uh, that you'll have to stay tuned to check out. Uh, we'll, we'll be sure to keep things interesting for you. Um, but that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much um, for tuning in once again with Matt Gelb of the Athletic Philadelphia. I am Paul Boyer, and we'll see you next week.